Welcome to the Molding Private Practice Show, where we help healthcare practitioners in private practice keep true to their purpose and build a life of mastery by providing the knowledge, skills, and tools to bring their dreams to life. In this episode, we speak to Paula Hildebrand, a social worker based in South Africa, about her private practice and everything private practice management related. Okay, welcome to this episode of Molding Private Practice, where we will be discussing with Paula Hildebrand, the chairperson of SASWIP, about social working and what it is to be a social worker in South Africa. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Shaz. So just as a little bit of history, I mean, you and I have worked together quite for a few years now on our billing software side. But this is going to be more about discussing what is a social worker. So you are the chairperson of SASWIP. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Shaz, um, it's a South African Association of Social Workers in Private Practice. It's quite a mouthful, um, but it does describe exactly what we do. I think there's different kinds of social work, and predominantly we come through a generic training and then either work through NGOs or in government um, structures. And for many people, they then choose private practice after a season of having gained experience. Some people get postgrad studies and then they go into private practice. And this is an association just to collaborate together, be a voice, be an advocate. We're a very strong advocacy group around values and principles in our legislature and also just in the practice in private practice and then also to support each other we have a lot of peer group we discuss cases we have trainings trying to keep us on the ball and focused doing the best we can in the communities that we serve lots of words (laughs) (laughs) no but, but that's absolutely amazing because you know from television and that kind of thing whenever you hear social worker you immediately assume you know child protective services and that kind of thing Could you give us a little bit more of an indication as to what a social worker is? Well, there's a lovely definition that our federal, um, international federal committee, a conference actually actually sets up this um, description of us, which is, sounds a little bit like superwoman saving the the world, you know, but it's around social justice. It's around um, fighting for principles of, of value in the community. Um, And it looks more holistically at how we can come alongside people that feeling a level of disempowerment, maybe vulnerable groups, to try and build resilience. So that's generically how social work is, the broad statement of helping people uh, face life challenges, um, and then also just generally their well-being. But for, for the private practice social worker, she would have gained a lot more clinical knowledge, a lot more around the psychology of what makes us who we are. And social work is more about who we are in relation to our communities. It's not just an island, a person on their own like an island, but we're more engaging. You know, the friendship the two of us have picked up as you've supported me with SME metrics issues, you know, there's a relationship, there's a connection. And as you work with different groups and different um, aspects of your life, be it schooling or within a family or in a marriage, we're not just islands, we engage with other people. And that's the piece that social work does. It actually helps people to connect with their worlds and make sense of it, but also to draw the resourcefulness from the world around them, as well as understanding their own resourcefulness, which comes from more of a, a psychology understanding. So you guys are really the ones that, you know, 
kind of, as you say, help people interact and fit into their world, their social circle and environment. So you look more at the holistic side of being a person Mm -hmm. as opposed to that very individualized, okay, what are you feeling psychotherapy type of services? Okay. Uh, One of our biggest challenges, Shaz, is a lot of people think we, I think, um, I'm trying to think what the term, coarse and clearer, I think, where the social workers would either come and take your children away or bring food parcels and things like that. And social work still does that function. Um, it's strong protective arm is for, for, for children and for basic needs. But um, private social work generally has gone to the higher end of the Maslow's needs and looking at articulation and self-actualization, articulation of self, sorry, and also your self growth as you you go through life and face the challenges ahead of you. So what made you decide to become a social worker? I mean, as a youngster, what made you decide that this was the path that you wanted to go down as you grew up into an adult? Sure, Shaz. That's quite a heavy one. Um, (laughs) I grew up in a very simple rural environment where we were, we we're very connected with all groups within our society, which was unusual in the apartheid years. Um, my father was a pastor and a farmer, and um, we engaged with many different echelons of our country. Um, and it really opened my eyes to a lot of need. I had never met a social worker. I didn't know what a social worker did when I applied to become a social worker. So I can't even say I was very wise in it, but it was such an easy response to wanting to care wanting to give people dignity and their own self-respect of being able to govern their choices in life and build build up their lives. Um, and I think I wanted the skills to know how to do it. Um, I think as I grew in, in the, the role of social worker, you glean from different people and it shapes who you are, you know. But I came into it predominantly um, around wanting to come alongside people um, and also my faith. Um, I believe we're supposed to care for other people. We should we should actually be rubbing shoulders and connecting and being a real community. And that kind of stuff speaks to my heart. Well, I can definitely understand that. I mean, growing up in a very distant area with father being a pastor and out on the farms, you know, you're not in the big cosmopolitan of the city where you can kind of isolate with certain groups of people you your community basically becomes everyone on the farm so and you get to see the struggles of the other people you know the other cultures or the other workers on the farm or the other farmers in the area so I can see where that kind of inspired you to go how do I help other people it it seems to be a very similar kind of calling that I'm finding most healthcare practitioners have is this inbuilt need to be able to go and help other people. And I find that absolutely phenomenal. It's, you know, the fact that there are so many selfless people out there whose sole drive is to help others. So you're the chairman. Can I interrupt for a second? Yes. (laughs) It's not so selfless, actually. You know, often people think in the helping professions we want to help because it makes us feel good or we superior, we bring something better because you're not doing well and I'll help you. It's a bit of an arrogance kind of statement, but not that you said that, but that's how sometimes the world interprets it. 
But to me, it's not selfless. It's incredibly humbling to sit with people, get to know people, learn from their cultures, learn from their strengths that they have. And in the conversation and talking and soundboarding, people find their own strength again. It's not about us rescuing them, but I find it's been, I've been so grateful for what I've learned talking to different people, different cultures, different scenarios, experiences in life. It's been very self-growing for me. So I've got a lot out of it. Well, that's that's also phenomenal is that, you know, you get to learn from the people that you're there helping, you know, you help each other grow. Um, so you're the chairman of the South African of SASWIP. Let's keep it at simple terms. <laughs> but how long have you now been in private practice for? At some point, you must have made the decision that, you know, I want to go into private practice. How long have you been in private practice? Um, since 2006. So 15 years or so, if my maths is correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's quite a while. Um, I think before I worked within community organizations, I even worked in a preschool for a little while, different life spaces, moved around a lot in the country. But um, the last 15 years or so have been very gratifying. Um, it's, it's actually been such a privilege to be in private practice and then just to engage with the community around me. Um, just you know, getting to know people, getting to understand what's relevant for Joburg. I didn't grow up here. So there's different things that people deal with here than you do in lazy hollows like where I came from, you know. So it's been an interesting journey and I would have never not been able to do it do it without source of support. I had incredible mentors that um, were part of our association and the association does a lot to sharpen us, to hold us to our ethical standards, to push us to give back into our communities beyond the the business profile of what we do, to be part of conversations like this or <clears throat> sit on boards or engage with different community forums. I ran a talk, um, like a Zoom talk community conversations with two other um, psychologists over the COVID period, just as a way of answering questions, giving information back into the community. And that kind of collaboration with Lucy um, Robinson and and Catherine Marie was an incredibly um, humbling experience, just, just being able to engage with the community and share knowledge. And SASA gives a lot of emphasis into that. But one of my mentors was a lady called Heather Benfield. She was a proper social worker. She would take no nonsense, um, fought with you very quickly if your theology was a bit <laughs> wonky or your theory, um, and really pushed for good social work. So she really um, was a great mentor of mine for many years. She's passed on now, but her legacy lives on. And um, I think my private practice years have been shaped by people of that kind of stature. And I, I was able to have access to these incredible social work minds through this association. And I still am. I serve on the national board, obviously, and I just have the most incredible colleagues. Um, I learn things from them every day. <laughs> Oh, that feeds very much into our, you know, philosophy behind um, the Molding Private Practice show and everything we do in that idea of continuous learning and continuous education and, you know, reaching out to people in the industry to ask, you know, how do you do this or how would you do that? I think finding a good mentor is definitely helpful to anybody in any aspect of their life or any aspect of their career. So it's really great to know that you had somebody so powerful that helped shape you into the practitioner that you've become. But 
when you started out, were there any challenges that you faced in making the decision to start a private practice? And then obviously in those first few years in private practice, having come from, you know, government community work and working in the preschools? To be honest, Shares, I could take all your time telling you about the struggles <laughs> getting into it. <laughs> I think we start out as a professional. You know, you, you do your undergrad and some of us have got postgrad and you think, okay, I know something. Well, that's not really true <laughs> until you actually get into the workplace and having to put it into practice and then find the reality of the challenges of the people that you're working with. Quite challenging to meet and understand. So there's a theory knowledge growth that set me on a real determined path to find answers. And I'm still on that path of insatiable need to learn more. And I think that starting out and realizing how much I need to know, on a practical level, um, one of the biggest challenges was moving from a social worker within a certain context, be it employed in a, in a different genre, into self-employed. We weren't prepared for the business aspect of it. We were never trained in it. And that's why I'm so grateful for the relationship we've developed. You've helped me a lot along the way. But just try to work out your systems, managing your accounts, getting your, your terms and conditions in place, and being ethically and legally sound and complying to tax regulations and all those kind of UAFs or whatever you need to do. It was really a growth point on that space. Um, and that really did you know, create a bit of a challenge initially, but there's a lot of support out there. Um, it's not something that you have to bumble along. This is not the dark ages. So there's a lot of information. There's a lot of good service rendering in the community. And I have to um, give credit to you in that very much as you've been the most incredible support as we worked out some of those things. And then the challenging of how to market your business. Um, was a big challenge until I realized that I'm not good at marketing, so I'm not going to bother with it in a way, and that my best marketing tool is to try and use every minute in my therapy room as well as I can, because the best marketing is word of mouth, and you only get that when you're doing your best work in every session, and it's a challenge. There's days when you're emotionally shattered, but to push just to do the best you can, just to give as much of your intellect and your compassion into that that time of, of therapy as, as you possibly can. I don't know if I answered the question. I think I waffled on there. What does no, <laughs> not at all. I mean, that that's exactly what I've found when I've asked a lot of other people when, you know, that idea of going into private practice, and it seems almost everyone has this a very similar answer. You know, I have all the skills to be a therapist or a social worker or a physio or an MD, but I have no clue about the business side. And, you know, it's definitely something that I find lacking in the years that you're studying towards your degrees, that nothing is covered on, at some point, you might decide to go into business for yourself. You know, here's a basic overview of what you would need to be able to understand to run a business. But I do agree with you. We're no longer in the dark ages. There's a lot of information out there that people to just be able to get those grassroots understanding of what to do. And look, I'm not a phenomenal marketer either. And I agree. Sometimes the best form of advertising is that word of mouth. And that only comes from doing your best every single time because, you know, Everybody feels appreciated and supported by what you do, and they will then pass that on to somebody who they think could benefit from mm. your help or your assistance. 
Um, so and also just sharing knowledge, shares, you know, with other disciplines. Yeah. I've got a lot of professionals that phone me. I saw this in the room. Is it a scenario that you should help with? And I'd say, okay, try this first, then get back to me. Or, you know, there's a collaboration of sharing knowledge, which is very empowering. And I know SASIP actually has an orientation program for anybody that wants to go into private practice. Um, there's, it's a rigmarole to, you know, register for BHF and all of that. But the whole orientation program takes you through all of that. And that's really helpful for that grassroots starting out space. I can only imagine because, yeah, when you're going out on your own, if you don't kind of know where to reach out to, it can be very daunting. So tell me, you know, is there anything else important around what a social worker is and you do that somebody thinking about becoming a social worker, you know, that you would be able to advise them on? Um, is this someone choosing the profession or someone choosing yeah. the services of a no, social No, no, no. Somebody choosing the profession. Um, you know, as a youngster or somebody kind of going into varsity and sitting there, you know, what kind of advice could you give them about what they would be in for if they chose social work as their profession? It's a very broad profession. And I really would encourage people if you, you do have the heart to build and you're willing to work extremely hard with your own heart on the line, it's a wonderful building experience. But the undergrad um, part of our degree is very broad. It looks at many sectors of our society, many elements. There's a lot more going into um, just education, uh, working um, not just in community upliftment, but in training and bringing broader-minded thinking into our culture, more of an acceptance and engaging with many different diverse groups of our culture, bringing a, um, a greater respect for the vulnerable. Um, and there's a, it's a real sense of seeing many avenues. You can go from working in grief work to um, doing play therapy with the child or to actually be part of court and legal assessments done for um, sentencing or probation work or building up communities where they structure even the, the, the ground levels of what makes up a community, what are the different support groups, the women's groups, the church groups, the um, volunteer healthcare workers that all work. There's a way of structuring the community growth. A friend of mine works a lot in equality, bringing awareness and advocacy. A lot of my time I spent um, meeting with any role player or stakeholder in our country just to be a voice of social justice as much as we can around principles of value. And then because it's so broad, you get to choose what you want to grow in. And then you should challenge, channel yourself sort of in a direction if you've got that self-discipline. Um, and then grow what you know. Um, I've got a, a colleague that's um, leading the field legally. Another one works with custody cases, except, you know, is her thing, or sex abuse, or marriage counseling, or, ma or family counseling, um, grief work. A friend of mine is a specialist grief worker. So you can choose your genre and grow it. But it's nice to start out quite generically and feel it out. Work in every scenario you can. Work out what you love and then start growing in that direction. You can make social work into anything. Another person I met works in business. She consults to some of the blue chip banks around migration and mergers and change management. So a very different role for a social worker. Another one works in the community aspect of discovery where they actually do the funding into the communities and the upliftment project, project she's working in that genre. 
And there's a lot of social workers in corporate situations and tertiary and academic situations where they work with the dynamics as well as the, um, you know, the dynamics as in how do teams work? How does leadership work? How do we make decisions? So there's a lot of different aspects of social work and you will never get bored. If you get bored, just change direction and add to your knowledge base. That sounds absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the fact that there are so many different facets that you can go into under one banner of being in the social work profession that, you know, and I think that's something that a lot of people need to understand is that it's not just one facet. There are so many different areas that you can go into to be able to uplift or assist or bring social justice into so many different aspects of our communities. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. So Paula, if somebody was thinking of going into social work and, you know, would you be happy for them to be able to contact you and maybe just bounce some ideas off you? With pleasure. I'm not very well uh, versed with what the academic requirements are, but I can easily talk to anybody around that. Wonderful. So if somebody wanted to contact you, um, how would they do that? Would it be best to give you a phone call or to phone um, contact you via email? Preferably via email. Um, I'm not easily available during the day because of my consulting hours, um, but I'm happy to answer any emails and give you direction in that area. Um, and also to talk about private practice. You can't go into private practice unless you've had a certain number of years of experience. Um, you In SASA, our accreditation is five years experience of social work with an undergrad degree, and that allows you to then work independently. And that's the term we try and use as much as possible, independent social workers. Um, and there's also ways of, of leading people to gain the knowledge they need for that extra step into private practice. It's a bit scary to go straight from varsity into private practice. It's a little bit of a challenge <laughs> just um, in the enormity of what you need to do. But it's doable. A lot of people come in very young, provided they've got good super supervision and a lot of support from, from older social workers. It's an easy thing to do if you choose to go straight into private practice. Wonderful. I'm going to add your um, contact information at the end of this video clip so that people are able to contact you if they do have any questions about going into private practice or becoming a social worker. I think you would be able to give a phenomenal amount of advice just based on your years of experience. Um, thank you so much for sharing this information with us. It's such a pleasure, Shaz. Thank you for the opportunity. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon, Paula. Take care, Shaz. Thanks for thank the time you. today. Thank you to the listeners too. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. As always, stay tuned and we'll speak to you in the next episode.